Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 252, recording this on the 17th of May 2018. I'm here after a couple of a couple of weeks with Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello everybody. We're here to talk about the usual Windows uh, with a focus on mobile, but also sort of diverting into other mobile topics. And we've got a lot to get through in the uh, next 40 minutes or so, including some sort of more generic topics. Uh, but it's great to be back and uh, apologies for the gap. We've sort of had a, a lot on our plates, um, but here we are ready to go with the latest Insight podcast. OK, well, I wanted to just chat briefly about PWAs. We've, we've talked about this before, Rafe, progressive web applications. And as a developer yourself, you'll know all about them. But uh, what people need to know is that these are not necessarily, quote, replacing UWP apps for Windows 10. PWAs are an entirely different thing. They're cross-platform. Uh, obviously, as the name suggests, progressive web applications, they work on, in theory, all platforms, although the iPhone is still catching up. <laughs> um, but it, what it does mean is that on Windows 10, if, if the developer or Microsoft chooses, they can actually package this URL-based PWA application. And for example, Uber is a good example of that, that they announced they were canning their UWP app in the store today. Um, at the same time, saying, OK, go use our PWA on the web. But there's nothing to stop them in the future or Microsoft from just packaging that PWA, that sort of web wrapper on that PWA as a UWP app in the store. I, if that all sounds confusing, then blame Microsoft. But re in reality, for the user, if they don't find it in the store, they find it on the web and they get to the same thing. That's right. And actually, one of the things Microsoft does is sort of automatically scan a manifest file. So it's pretty easy to get into the app store if you you choose to do that and i do wonder in the future whether microsoft might almost do that uh, automatically but yes you're right about pws it's kind of an interesting trend to see uh, on windows and to a kind of extent on windows 10 mobile as well although i think it's more a case of it, it's happening on both we're seeing a lot of kind of a trend for this of um so web-based applications and there's obviously you know we could talk about hybrid applications i don't really want to get into kind of the big debate there that's been going on for as long as I can remember about mobile apps. Uh, but it's interesting to me, if you look at it from a desktop point of view, there's also technologies like Electron uh, going on to sort of serve up desktop apps using web technology. And PWA is slightly different. And essentially what we're talking about is some enhancements or some additions to the way that websites can work that add some offline capabilities and some deeper integrations uh, with the kind of platform that it's hosted on. Uh, from a Windows point of view, actually, I think it's good news because it means you get a more app-like experience even when, you know, the brand or the developer decides to kind of abandon the kind of fully native UWP application. And there's very good reasons to do PWAs on other platforms as well. Um, I think we're going to see more and more of these. It's almost going to become for product-based websites. And what I mean by that is ones that are sort of transactional around a service or around a thing you'll see more and more websites becoming PWAs because while there's definitely extra work to do, I think it's entirely justifiable on the kind of the uplift on experience it gets just for people using it on the website, never mind if they're using it as a kind of pinned app, uh, pinned PWA, because that's what people tend to think about when they, they think about um, PWAs. But of course, it has benefits just if you're using it in the browser as a, a matter of course. And you know, it's been a good trend for Windows Mobile in particular because Honestly, we're seeing apps have extra features added to them. Of course, the downside of it is that 
it's never quite as good as a native app and there are some things that you can't do in PWAs, in fact, quite a lot. And so it tends to result in more simplistic applications, I would argue. Uber is kind of the example of this. You know, you don't get some of the fancier animations or the deeper extra bits of functionality. Nonetheless, if it's a choice between not having an app and having a PWA, I kind of know that I would choose. Um, but there is a really interesting, more broader point here that I think uh, if you're thinking about your mobile strategy, you know, what should you do? And I kind of, as I said, alluded to, there's been a long ongoing debate about whether you should do cross-platform apps or whether you do native apps or combination of the two. And there's things like React Native, which behaves very much like native apps, but kind of developed in a, a cross-platform way. Um, but I actually think it's almost coalescing around you do a PWA app, which gives you a good basic app. And you could um, choose at that point to wrap it and put it in the app store if that's what you want to do. But it also gives the best possible kind of mobile web experience. And for kind of the lesser used platforms, you know, yes, you can get it running on the Windows being an example of that. But I think, you know, the strongest experience still come from native apps. And so I think companies will choose to continue to develop those particularly where there's kind of a rich bit of platform integration or they want to take advantage of the latest thing in iOS or Android or you know, be more deeply integrated than the PWA will achieve. And as with hybrid apps and web apps before, I'm sure the goalposts will continue to move and PWAs will be able to do more and more, but they'll always be at a, ahead with native apps. So the reason I mention this is because actually I think um, the PWA only approach you know, it's disappointing for Windows, but it's also disappointing on other platforms as well. So I don't think it will become a, a big, big trend. Um, what I do think it will do is become the default way of doing mobile web because it gives you yeah, a kind of yeah. uplift on the experience. I still want to see native apps. And so while I'm enthusiastic about seeing this on Windows 10 Mobile, and I, I think it's the only way we're going to see apps continue to be updated, especially as we get into the next few months and the next year, depending, of course, what happens with kind of Microsoft's other ambitions in mobile, um, I do want to see native apps, and I still choose to use native apps over PWAs on the other platforms, despite the fact, as you alluded to, iOS with 11.3 and Android has supported them quite strongly for a while, and I'm sure they'll develop further. So it's kind of an interesting technology, and I think it adds a new twist to that debate of web versus app. Um, and to me, actually, it solidifies an answer. Do you know advanced web, which is PWA, and by the way, you can use those as apps. That's kind of your lowest common denominator. But then still look at doing native apps to give the best possible experience and appreciate that kind of your most important customers are going to download native apps and want that experience. But you'll be able to give a good uplift to everyone who's maybe just using it once or twice on web. Um, so yeah, really interesting. And as I said, I'd be interested to hear other people's opinion on this because kind of newly forming opinions as I hear more about PWAs get a chance <laughs> to play with the development of them and kind of see them become more universal, frankly, or more commonplace. Yeah, I should add, add by the way, you mentioned there that uh, UWP apps may not be updated for Windows 10 Mobile. Of course, there are plenty of enthusiast uh, app developers oh, out there. There, there are some real stars on the platform, and those people are passionate about it, and they'll carry on updating them for years to come. But yes, as a general rule, I think PWAs are the way that more... Uh, wider titles will come to Windows 10 Mobile via the backdoor, via the store, and via Edge. Um, this is an interesting one, Rafe. About this, sometime this month, uh, Skype for Business was apparently going to be stopped by Microsoft, and they announced this a couple of months ago. Um, so that's it. It's it's finishing. You've got moving off Windows 10 Mobile. You've got to go use an iOS or Android phone. And enough people complained, presumably 
thousands because they've now changed and they've now given another 18 months of availability. So now Skype for Business will no longer be available for downloads in December 2019. So that's quite a bump from May 2018. And even then it's not saying it's not going to stop working. It's just going to say you can't then download it in the Windows 10 mobile store. So I guess this is a case of common sense prevailing, Rafe. The uh, full creators update, even on Windows 10 mobile, is due for support until the end of next year. So why the heck not support Skype for Business as well? And I presume there are enterprises out there that do use it. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's, I think, surprisingly common because this is what uh, Microsoft Link used to be. And it's used for millions of minutes for business conference calls. I know I use it on a daily basis. Um, So I'm not surprised to see this happen. I mean, I was surprised about the kind of uh, lack of support or being pulled. It was because, you know, this comes back to what we've talked about before, Steve, with, you know, how long and what does real support for the platform mean? Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it's good to see this extension because I guess it allows people to do you know better planning around this because it was quite a sudden halt. Whereas this, yeah. you can say, fine, if you need to put an alternative solution in place. Um, and, you know, actually, the answer is you could still use this kind of conference calling facility on uh, Windows 10 Mobile, you just have to dial in manually because most uh, uh, kind of Skype for Business will will have both because obviously it's a way for people to join via a kind of IP service or jo- join via a sort of traditional uh, phone call. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. It it does also though speak to the fact that Microsoft will respond if there's enough uh, interest <laughs> or requests from business users. But it also the fact that it happened in the first place, I think, does talk to their priorities as well. Um, that you know, even Microsoft, uh, even on a platform that I think certainly in its latter period got positioned more for enterprise users, you know, they're they're withdrawing what is one of the key planks in Microsoft's enterprise service offering. You know, if you you think about it, it's Office, which is very important, and then arguably some of the the Teams-based stuff, and then I would say Skype for Business is probably right up there in terms of. Uh, number of users and the frequency of use that it gets so i mean great to see it extended but it's it's really only a a kind of a temporary improvement yeah and along the same lines though a microsoft teams uwp app uh that was also due to shutter in fact actually it was due to not work at all after this month Uh, and they've now again bowed pressure on that presumably there were enough people still using that in companies um, and that's it's now been bumped to unavailability from the store starting J- July. So I guess only a two month extension, but um, it would actually stop working on Windows 10 Mobile for another six months. So, uh, again, Microsoft do listen. And I, I guess we should know this after years, not just to people on AAWP, but uh, the wider Windows community. They do have a voice and Microsoft does occasionally listen. Yeah, that that's right. I mean, as I say, I think it's more. Uh, a temporary stay of execution probably to they've listened to their part uh-huh. and say look we we can't we can't have this happen you know just in a, a period yeah. of a, a month or so uh, and that's great but yeah I, I don't want people to take away any idea that this is kind of a, a longer term reprieve honestly they probably should have made it with these timelines in the first place because you know the business world and big it support just can't move that quickly it's it's just unrealistic so you know, Microsoft, you know, actually probably what they do is they end up driving people off their products altogether, whereas this gives them a yeah. opportunity to put, you know, other devices in place. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the number of people this impacts is actually relatively low, but, you know, good that it was given a little bit of extra rope. Yeah. And the Teams uh, UWP app for the desktop 
and presumably for Windows on ARM, of course, was going full steam ahead. Um, which means, of course, that if Microsoft does cough, cough, release a Surface Mobile later this year, then, OK, that October deadline when it will stop being available for the current Windows 10 mobile handsets, they will at least be able to point, say, you've still got a portable mobile solution that Microsoft <laughs> Teams runs on. So maybe that Indeed. October timescale is a gentle hint. Who knows? Who knows? Well, I like your optimism. <laughs> Uh, moving on, we've got loads to get through, but uh, not all of it necessarily essential. Here's one I liked and I thought might be right up your street. Zenit, Universal Windows Platform app, Rafe. It's basically a geographical um, coordinate conversion system, which sounds really boring, but I know you're keen on your OS maps and your grid coordinates and, and hiking across the moors and the coastlines. And this gives you a graphical and a numerical readout in multiple formats and multiple graphical formats of any place on Earth. And you get all the stats and all the numbers. I found it a fascinating little app and I would highly recommend it to you too, Rafe. Uh, I've definitely got to download this one because uh, if you do any kind of uh, kind of surveying or things like that, uh, location becomes all important and quite often when you go out the reason I mention this is because occasionally I'll go and do things like woodland surveys um, as kind of part of community projects uh, the coordinate system that's chosen isn't always a standard one I mean more often than not here in the UK it's uh, ordnance survey but sometimes they want something else um, and actually obviously using a phone to kind of get a quick uh, fix on your grid position is is really handy because you've got a nice big screen you've got the GPS built in but being able to see this, um, you, know, you can kind of look up a coordinate, which is helpful in itself, but also just get it with, in whichever format you want. And um, it looks like it's got both the, uh, the kind of the view and the datum, which is very helpful. So that means for pretty much any um, surveying scenario, it looks like you'll be able to get uh, what you want. I do actually have a, an old app that does something similar, um, but I'm going to have to check this one out. And it, it, you said earlier, you know, there's still enthusiastic developers doing uwp apps and this is you know a great example i suspect this has been done as a labor of love because they needed it themselves um so yeah you know lo love to see this and I, I like the fact that you know you can get it on all windows 10 devices i mean as you put it in the story from phone to hybrids to hololens although i'm not sure i see the use case for hololens <laughs> uh, as you're wandering through a wood uh, to look up a server i think it's probably easier to look at your standalone gps or look at your phone Absolutely. That rather foils the point, doesn't it? Wandering through a picturesque wood or a coastline <laughs> with a hololens strapped. Oh, well, I guess it's augmented reality. It could be overlaying important information landmarks <laughs> and historical data onto your wonderful view. But yes, it rather does uh, spoil the spoil the view. Um, just Windows 10 Mobile monthly OS updates for all branches, including Ray. Rather interesting. We, we thought the anniversary update had, had its last monthly patch and security update. It turns out... Um, something that was kind of hinted at in the past, but is now actually coming to fruition, that Microsoft has given Windows 10 Mobile um, an extra six months uh, extension over Windows 10 on the desktop. So on the desktop, the idea is that there's no excuse for being behind on your branches because, you know, you've got whatever, however old your PC, yeah. chances are you just keep updating it branch after branch. On mobile, you haven't got that choice because it all comes being provisioned from Microsoft. So they're in control of which devices do get which branches. So as a kind of sop to that that uh, world, they've given a six-month extension to anniversary update, creators update, and full creators update. And if you look at the chart in my in my story, Rafe, it means the anniversary update is now going to be supported until the more or less the end of 2018. Creators update, which let's face it, is probably most people own a device listening to this um, on, on the creators update. That's branch 1703 until 
uh, second half of, of, of the end of the first half of 2019 and then full craters update, which is Lumia 950s, etc., etc. Uh, they're now fully supported uh, patches, security update, etc. to the end of next year. So a nice little extension. It was something that Microsoft had been fudging around in their documentation for a while. But now that we've actually had one of the extension updates for the anniversary update devices and branches, um, I think it's all going to happen. So I think that chart now reflects reality as best I can manage. Yes, I mean, it, it's interesting. I, I think it's probably fair to say the extension isn't absolutely guaranteed. But as you say, the evidence certainly points towards it. And I, I think it's probably a fair bet for the anniversary update and creators update. For full creators update, honestly, we'll have to wait and see because by then, you know, we'll probably be talking about, you know, the phones having not been on sale for a, a significant length of time. And I suspect they might do it on a basis of, you know, um, how many users is actually impacted by um, and it's also, as we've said before, just to be completely clear on this, um, the kind of uh, support for updates and getting updates doesn't necessarily refer to full on feature updates. This becomes very much about security updates. And yeah. Microsoft has effectively said that. Um, and of course, there are other elements that affect the usability of the phone, not least we've just mentioned uh, you know, Microsoft Teams and uh, Skype for Business. Obviously, they'll be dropping off end of this year, essentially. Um, Although, as you say, in some cases, uh, I think Skype for Business will continue to work for a bit longer. Yeah. All I'm saying there is, you know, that's just one example. There are plenty of other apps because that's one of the downsides, I guess, of having the apps no longer bundled with the operating system itself. So, you know, there are elements, especially when they have some big online piece or they rely on a kind of cloud service that there's no guarantee yeah. that they stir around. Just, I just want to be clear about that. But yes, other than that, it's good news. And, but, you know, a lot of people are concerned about the security of their devices and it, you know it's an ongoing debate in the smartphone world in general um, because i think most people assume their device is secure and you know then there's a scare around you know some insecure uh, you know bit of software or there's a security hole and you know we had the stuff around wi-fi and last year and i'm sure there'll be be more of that but yeah. and the good news in that sense is you probably got a bit more reassurance that you will get the update in the same way that i think people regard you know, the iOS devices is getting good long support from uh, Apple. Actually, Microsoft has established that same reputation, even when we're talking about kind of the very much the setting sun and kind of things disappearing and devices no longer being on sale. In some ways, that level of commitment is quite, quite impressive. I guess that does come from Microsoft's heritage of kind of having long support periods. That's what it's used to doing in the enterprise world. And, you know, Microsoft gets a lot of stick for that in terms of, you know, oh, there's lots of bugs in it all. You know, I think old Microsoft in particular, from a consumer point of view, um, you know, there are all sorts of, <laughs> I guess, bad bits of reputation. But actually, they do have done the right thing most of the time. And I think this is an example where, honestly, they're delivering more than I think maybe they, they have to or they should do. There's probably other yeah. areas where people go there under-delivering. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it's worth calling out. Yeah, and if you look at the chart, actually, the, the Lumia 950 and 950 XL, which are a great example on the left of my chart, they stopped effectively being sold. Three, It will be three years by the time their support period yeah. finishes, by the time they get their last security update uh, and last update to the Edge engine, et cetera, et cetera. They, will, they, will have, they won't have been sold for three years, and I think that's quite an impressive support period. Yes, yeah. we, we argue that they shouldn't have stopped selling the 950 in the first place, <laughs> but at least the OS is being updated. And well, yes, you're right, Ray, it's not a big feature update, but the core the core elements, the, the kernel and the, the Edge engine for the browsers and all the, the important stuff that might actually come back to bite people, that is all still being updated. Yeah. 
and and it's worth saying it's all the more impressive when there isn't an obvious new set of devices coming in you know, we won't speak late about surface mobile but if they continue to sell device okay yeah of course they should kind of keep on doing that but that's that's why i think it is particularly admirable in this case in three years on a device because effectively for microsoft they they pulled out from devices with you know that lumia 950 and if we're honest even the kind of alcatel and the hp and the wiley fox devices have been low volume that that's not a serious uh, commitment either from the manufacturers or from microsoft themselves so that that's why i think it's impressive and as uh, i just have to say nice diagrams too because it makes it really easy to understand the various timelines on this and you can see the support thing so make sure you check out the article if you can't quite figure out all the timelines we've been talking about and the different devices also it tells you when the devices have been on on sale and i kind of forgotten in my mind that Actually, the Lumia 950, as you said, stopped being sold effectively at the end of 2016. And it was only in 2017 when we had the Alcatel device and the HP device that kind of kept kept things going. And, of course, now it's sort of really down to the um, down to the Wiley Fox. And, uh, as, yeah, as we've said, to all intents and purposes, hardware sales um, for brand-new devices have, have stopped for Windows 10 Mobile, Wiley Fox being kind of an outlier and a bit, yeah. something a bit different. Yeah, the Alcatel Idle 4 Pro, although you can't now buy it from Microsoft UK because they actually have sold out, is still fully available at the reduced price, I think, I've, uh, you have to check now, from Microsoft France and Microsoft Germany. And to my memory, Rafe, I mean, maybe you can correct me with your long history of phones as well, there's nothing really to stop someone buying a European phone. And apart from the fact that the mains charger will have two pins rather than three pins, there's no reason why you can't just set it up and say, choose English, and you'll be off to the races. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, the only thing you might have to worry about is the uh, warranty period, or though even that you can probably find ways to uh, get support for. I suspect it's more the convenience factor. As you say, you know, the mains charger, that's got to be the easiest thing ever to replace <laughs> on the phone. I mean, I, you know, I've had so many phones now, I go back and find the box and the charger's still in there because I've just used the old one. And it's only when you switch to, you know, USB-C or something, you go, oh, I've got to get a whole bunch of new chargers because... I've had five of them scattered around the house in various places or whatever. But yeah, absolutely no reason you shouldn't do do that. And I mean, the other thing is, is worth saying, I have noticed a fairly healthy aftermarket for some of these devices as well. Um, and obviously you can pick up some good deals by buying secondhand as well. Absolutely. Now, Rafe, I'd like to take you back in the mist, through the mists of time. Back to till 2013 when the Lumia 1020 was out because I've been revisiting that era and trying to use that device and that OS in 2018. And it's interesting we were talking about security because, of course, uh, one of the cliches in the security world is you can have security through obscurity. And I cannot imagine that even, even if there was some vulnerability discovered in, in Internet Explorer for Windows 10 Mobile, for example, that, that whatever it could lead to just couldn't possibly run on a Windows Phone 8.1 device in this day and age. So I would say, I would argue, even though Microsoft has stopped supporting Windows Phone 8.1, anyone actually using it, I think they can be pretty pretty safe and smug, knowing that whatever the heck they stumble across on the web, whatever they get, they get thrust by text or email, there's very, it's very, very unlikely that any damage could be done to their setup or their phone. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I mean, the, I'm, I'm reminded of this. I mean, I think Steve's um, experiment can best be termed courageous. And I do <laughs> notice that uh, he was very pleased to get back to his uh, S9 and Alcatel device uh, once that period of time was over. But, you know, I've got several friends who over the years um, I've recommended devices to. 
um, a couple of whom are still on, I think, 920s and sort of some of the uh, other follow-up devices. And I'm, ju- I'm just trying to remember the exact one. I, I can't, but basically they're on Windows Phone 8.1. You know, they haven't gone through the upgrade progress because, frankly, they haven't wanted to. They're, they're not sort of phone geeks. Um, and some of them are now coming back and asking for, oh, you know, what, what should I go for now? But they're perfectly happy, partly because, frankly, they're using the phones as feature phones, the stuff that's built in. And as you comment in the article that's on the site, actually, you can get a lot of the you know, stuff that you need. You still get a pretty decent camera in a lot of cases. You know, you get a browser that sort of works, although that does, to me, feel like one of the areas that's a bit of a problem. Um, and, you know, there are various uh, third-party applications, you know, still available that you can uh, download and use. Um, you know, I noticed you talked about podcasts, for example, and I noticed you kind of talked about the ability to get email and stuff on your phone, plus kind of things like uh, transport times, public transport and maps and things like that. And then you point out quite rightly, you can go and use sort of basic websites as well for some things. I mean, clearly, it's a very degraded experience. But actually, it's kind of a pleasant surprise how much continues to work, although I'm not sure I could live with a phone where some some things, you know, just don't work or whether particularly on the website side of things you know it, it stops working but on the whole it it sort of reminds me that as uh, kind of people are into their technology of course we've updated our phones but there are some people who keep them four or five years even longer and might not have, and certainly won't have bought on launch day and yet they still have a, a decent mobile experience i think it's fair to say though steve if they do an upgrade i think they'll probably be blown away by how much things have moved on, but it does depend on how much you use your phone for. Because um, I noticed, you know, you were talking about, you know, uh, performance and things like that, but also you kind of restricted yourself to a subset of the functionality that you needed for that day to day. It's perfectly reasonable for someone to do that. And if they don't want all the advanced stuff, you know, how much of an upgrade would it be? I mean, clearly performance, clearly hardware has improved. Uh, clearly, you know, get a better camera application. But if you still only do the basics, it's not like you're suddenly going to make yourself or find yourself doing loads more. I think the caveat to that, though, is the ability to have access to new things means that you do try them. And, you know, a good app example might be something like some of the on-demand apps, you know, things like Uber and Deliver or whatever, which you go, oh, no, I don't need them. I don't use them. Once you have the opportunity to try them, that tends to be the thing that converts you. So I guess it's the old chestnut of people, you know, don't actually know what's good for them because they don't know what they want to use until they actually try it out. But nonetheless, I mean, um, would you do this experiment again? I mean, how how painful was it? I mean, because I think you put a a good picture on it uh, in the article, but I'm kind of interested to get the behind the scenes, you know, real Steve answer. If you said to me, Steve, I'm going to take all of your smartphones away, all of your technology, uh, mobile technology, and just you can just have that Lumia 1020 for the next six months. Do you know what, Rafe? I could survive. I could survive. I could still communicate. I could still navigate. <laughs> I could still play games. I could still watch Netflix. All of that. I could do it. But I have to say, after using 2018 devices, it, it did feel a tiny bit like pulling teeth into times. And it's not just about <laughs> stuff that doesn't work, which you mentioned just now, because some stuff... Uh, you know, web-based stuff and PWA certainly don't work. It's more a question of a general error of uneasiness that things may stop working. For example, the, the here transit stuff is 95% working. 
uh, the here maps and here drive stuff is 100% working, but it's all on a wing and a prayer. You never um, Netflix, it works, but kind of is on the edge of not working. And in, in, next week, uh, tomorrow, it might just all crumble and might stop working. And yeah. that's kind of an uneasy position to be in. I really want to be, for my main device, have some an OS which is fully supported and which there's enough functionality enough applications that i know that they're not i'm not going to be left high and dry it's hard enough to say that about windows 10 mobile most weeks uh, but let alone 8.1 but it was a fun experiment i really enjoyed it and if anyone out there has got a classic 8.1 device especially something like a lumia 1020 uh, uh, or 920 or even 925 one of your old favorites i they're not worth much second hands just hang on to it keep it in a drawer but get it out once in a while put a sim in it enjoy it think of it fondly of times past and then move back to the present so you heard it here first. Still, still enjoys his kind uh-huh. of glutton for punishment, and wants to use it for the next six months. I, maybe that wasn't quite the conclusion I should have <laughs> taken from that. But yeah, it, it, it's actually a useful reminder because, of course, there are plenty of people out there using it like this, and especially for someone like me that sort of spends a lot of my my day job thinking about you know how people use devices. It's useful to remember that you know there are, and just, you know, we're talking about windows phone 8.1 here but there's plenty of people on older android devices particularly in the kind of 4.x branch which frankly i would find quite difficult to use now i mean partly that's you know it's changed enough that your familiarity with how things work and what should happen and the apps and things like that it isn't there but of course it's a perfectly reasonable thing to do and um this isn't just us trying to justify a reason to keep on talking about (laughs) using a windows device i guess it would have to be the equivalent is using it as something like 2023 or something. I don't think even we can quite uh, stand that, Steve. But yeah, it's, it's a good point to make and a really interesting reminder. But I think that fragility point that you make is really important because yeah. I do feel like the modern smartphone doesn't have the resilience to last a long time. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that, I mean, leaving aside the fact it's much further back, if you went back to some of the older devices, and I'm talking really here, Symbian, something like the N95, it's clearly a completely different era of hardware and the way things work and we move away from the big touch screens and things like that but i suspect they will be more resilient firing them up in you know 10 years time than a lot of the devices that are around today over kind of if we went maybe 20 years into the the future um and that that is something to be regretted i think but i think that's also the price we pay for having devices now that um you know, they're a bit like icebergs. The thing that you hold in your hand and the hardware inside that are only the tip of what the actual phone needs to operate. There are all kind of cloud things sitting behind it. Of course, it's always been like that because you want your network operator and your data. But I, I, I think people perhaps aren't quite fully aware, certainly outside the tech world, of just how much of the stuff on their phone relies on stuff sitting in the cloud, you know, services that have to be kept up to date and apps that have to be continued to be supported and obviously some platforms are better than others for that i mean i mean android for example kind of takes that you know almost a dumb piece of glass and smart cloud sitting behind it whereas you know apple i guess is more you know a smart piece of glass and a dumb cloud you know icloud for some backup and storage but in both cases they will be fragile to those kind of support going on in the future now windows as ever probably somewhere in the middle but as we've talked about in this podcast there's apps dropping out from support you know looking at 8.1 the the things you saw i think in it was here transit actually it was the metadata coming through for buying tickets that's the thing that broke i mean in some senses credit to the here team that it actually still works um you know this far on 
but it's amazing i think how fragile those things are and i don't think people have a full, full realization of that you know i've had the same thing in keeping uh, some you know sites and services up and running you know you basically have to put a big effort into that kind of managing of the services on an ongoing basis and it's about maintenance but it's also about support and when you do roll out an update you know maybe for a security reason or there's a change in the data you ingest actually it can be quite a lot of work to make it continue working on devices that have been around for the last 10 years uh, and you know this is why when you're setting formats or setting up specifications for this stuff early on you really really have to think about it because it has a, a long lifetime and honestly i think the smartphone world is really lucky because the product life cycle of these things you know it, it's bad in the sense that people would be kind of okay with it only lasting five years um and it has meant we've been able to move things forward quick there's been a fast pace of innovation it's just worth remembering that a lot of products we we buy if you think about white goods or cars you know they have 10 15 year life cycles and of course that has a an impact so while i'm sort of saying maybe probably coming across it's a bad thing that they're so fragile actually i also think it's a good thing because it means um, you can have things move on. You do allow continued development. So that's probably wildly off topic from where we started. But I think it's a really interesting thing to think about and one that was prompted by Steve switching back to a kind of a five-year-old device. Yes, and any rumours that I did it purely to create uh, an interesting article for the site are entirely <laughs> true because I thought it was an interesting article. And we do have lots of readers who, if not using 8.1 as their main phones, at least think fondly about it. And they do have those classic devices and they do get them out. So thank you for all the people who contributed and commented and who basically chimed in and said, uh, you know, well done. It was an entertaining read, which was the the aim of the game, really. And and I did turn a few heads at the Honor 10 launch in London by brandishing around this this 1020, mostly by people coming up to me and said, I had that phone back in the day. Great, wasn't it? So, uh, you know, I didn't I had no negative comments, which I think was quite <laughs> telling. Anyway. Um, just finishing on an optimistic, futuristic note, Rafe, although we didn't get Microsoft announcing a Surface Mobile at their build conference, unsurprisingly, I think I don't think it was really expected. Um, the, the clever money still has that any this their folding device, which we've seen all the, the patents for and all the sketches for. The clever money says that will be launched this autumn. But uh, uh, in line with that, some clever developers and <coughs> I say, well, no. Hackers, I suppose, is it's not too uh, unkind a word to use here. Um, ben Imbushuo, I hope I've pronounced that right, has, has managed to get Windows 10 on ARM ported to his Lumia 950XL, which really is going beyond the call of duty. Uh, rather amazing. I should absolutely emphasise that trying to replicate what he's done it means an absolute degree in the black arts of hacking programming developing and side flashing uh, do not even think about going near his instructions do not even think about copying him unless you're absolutely bonkers but if you are it's a great project it should also be mentioned that he's still working on getting the uh, the networking stack up and running i think he's managed to get wi-fi now working so he's got like a windows 10 on arm uh with wi-fi on his lumia 950xl but i don't think i think Correct me if I'm wrong, Rafe, but things like the cellular stacks and uh, 3G and LTE, aren't they protected by extra encryption and patents? And wouldn't that be much harder to reverse engineer? I'm assuming that is the case. I mean, I don't actually know the detail of the kind of the hardware family. But yes, typically there are more proprietary bits of uh, software involved, not least because there's all kinds of uh, licensing issues. And also you've got to bear in mind that that kind of stuff is uh, it's not non-standard hardware obviously because it's kind of built into the phones but it's not the stuff you typically see 
um, in PCs and therefore there's probably not obvious examples to kind of do your research on or look on. I suspect the way this might get unlocked is when we see some of the kind of uh, Windows 10 on-arm devices come out that do have cellular connectivity built into them, um, you know, most likely be data LTE tablet type things. Um, so that, that may change in the future. But yeah, this is one of these things where you're reminded actually the hardware is commoditized and fairly standardized. And so it is possible to, to make this work. It is worth reminding people that a lot of time and effort is spent on integration and optimization of hardware. So just because it works, it doesn't mean that things like the battery life and the performance <laughs> is going to be yeah. uh, in tune. But nonetheless, a really impressive uh, technical achievement. Um, and actually, it also sort of speaks to kind of the common elements that now, you know, Windows is comprised of more so than any other platform that, that's out there. And one of the reasons that actually I suspect we got support and updates and feature improvements on Windows 10 Mobile for as long as we did. Um, and it, in some ways, you look at this and go, doesn't look all that different to, uh, you know, Windows 10 Mobile um, as it exists on the device. Of course, that's because there's the kind of common use of tiles and things like that. Um, but nonetheless, it's kind of fun to see this and it's worth highlighting. Um, I, I kind of, you know, love the idea that this could become a bit more readily available because honestly, actually, would this be a fun thing to use a, a 950XL that you may be retired <laughs> for? Um, so we'll have to see what happens. I mean, uh, there is this whole uh, thing around uh, Surface Mobile, which honestly we don't know any more about, and as, as we've speculated many times, it's not guaranteed to happen and it's likely to be later this year if it does. And certainly Microsoft's attention is focused elsewhere. So it was kind of interesting to see it build, you know, them announcing the, the new versions of kind of uh, the Surface Hub and things like that and much less emphasis uh, on mobile. But, you know, it's all about kind of um, Azure and things like that these days. I, you know, I'd still like to be surprised, though. Um, so we'll we'll see what happens with this, but yeah, this is kind of a fun thing to see, and uh, testament to the people who who like playing around with these things. I wouldn't necessarily call it hacking as such. I mean, that that's such a pejorative term in a lot of people's minds. But it's people are willing to kind of almost the old-fashioned word I like is tinkering about with the yeah, yeah. the software and working out what they can do. And you know, there's a long, long history of this. You know, XDA developers have done this for many years, um, and the whole community that's based around there kind of getting various ROMs on and off devices. And I kind of see it, this as the, the kind of continuation of that. But yes, as uh, I think you probably gave a clear enough warning, but I'll add to it and just saying, yeah, unless you want to tinker and just have a play around with, don't do it because there's, I mean, it's quite complex. And obviously there's a danger that you can brick the device and do something that's unrecoverable. Although e even having said that, you know, um, the Microsoft recovery tools are pretty strong, but I haven't looked at this in enough detail to say whether you're doing things that would, you know, prevent even that from, from coming back from. So, yeah, nice story to finish on. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I'm tempted to try it out myself, except I don't really have the spare time, and I don't really want to do that to my uh, 950XL. <laughs> it does make me kind of curious about uh, seeing the Windows 10 on ARM device. You know, I've, I've seen it on laptop and tablets, and it does hold a lot of promise that. So, yeah, I'm going to watch that with a great deal of interest. A lot does depend on the form factor. Just one final thought, Rafe. Windows Phone 8.1 we mentioned just now, was t t t the user interface was designed around sort of 4-inch to 5-inch screen, somewhere in that, that region, and it worked pretty well. Uh, the, the, the style of the UI elements and the controls, everything was just nicely optimised, and of course it was fast. Windows 10 Mobile 
kind of worked best on the Lumia 950 and Elite X3 when you had a large screen at five and a half inch to six inch screen. And that's where the elements and the screen layout made most sense to me. Um, going to Windows 10 on ARM, it's clearly designed for a larger screen again, talking seven, eight, ten inch screens, which of course were tablets and smaller laptops and of course a foldable tablet that becomes a tablet. That makes sense. Actually trying to run Windows 10 on ARM and you do something serious with it on a five and a half inch screen of <laughs> yeah. you know, Lumia 950XL. I think that really is just for masochists. But it's a fun project. I'll continue to stay on top of it. I know MS Power users are sort of doing daily updates almost. I think that's a bit over the top. But uh, certainly once a month, I'm going to check in with this, see how far they've gotten. And if it ever proves remotely usable in terms of a, a tinkering device that uh, Joe Bloggs listening to this might do in couple of hours tinkering at home then i'll report and say you know give it a go but right now stay stay away as far away as you possibly can anyway <laughs> i'll i'll finish there and i'll let you rafe you have the final word and sign off yeah absolutely um i look forward to steve continuing to do the updates and you're absolutely right about the kind of usability of it it's actually one of the things i more most as a long-term smartphone user is i feel like the interfaces today are trying to crowd more in and i sometimes hanker after a simpler time but i think that's probably just a sign that i'm turning into a grumpy old man and waving my walking stick around and saying it was better in the old days but there is something genuine about the fact that kind of the user interfaces were arguably simpler there was less being crammed in and therefore easier to understand which is i think what one of the big appeals of windows phone 8.1 was and for some people uh, still is compared to all the swipes the things that drop down the drawers the different bits of screens that you have to remember now i will say i wouldn't go back to that because i like the extra power and usability but leave that that thought with you as we end this podcast my thanks as ever to steve for corralling me to the uh, recording station <laughs> for doing all the great content on the site and for being a congenial co-host and allowing me to wrap it away and of course a big thank you to the listeners we really appreciate you continuing to tune in and the feedback and the email we get we always enjoy reading that so thanks very much and please tune in next time 